This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This week, the podcast is sponsored by Dirt, which is very on brand considering we are both subscribers to this incredible newsletter. Dirt is a daily-ish free email about entertainment, from HBO recommendations to NFTs that aren't cringe, Dirt brings you the coolest stuff on the internet. Hear directly from the tastemakers defining virtual culture and trends. Visit dirt.fyi to learn more, and we'll also throw the link in the bio. hello hello gorgeous hello gorgeous girly i've been waiting to tell you until this very moment but i really love this dress situation you've got going on you look very cute (laughs) i was actually about to buy a similar looking one from brandy melville oh my god so there's a Brandy Melville in Lisbon, and I was I was thinking of you because I couldn't remember if like Brandy Melville has become so jare it's cool or so cool it's jare or so like I don't I can't remember where it sits on the spectrum nowadays. Or do you have to have old Brandy Melville for it to be interesting? I don't know to be honest, but I just went on there because I was looking for a plain tank tops. And then I found a cute little floral dress that's quite similar to the one you're wearing. And it was £28. And I did that classic thing where it's a cheap item that you'll probably wear all the time and is a good investment where I just looked at it for ages at the checkout. And I also put agonized a few cute pieces of floral underwear in there for £4 a pop. And then I just agonized over it for ages, tried to find discount codes online like a fucking <laughs> boomer and none of them were it working. £2.80 off of this. And then I just exited the tab. 
Yeah. I This is actually a nightdress and being very seductive Gorgeous. for you. This is from a charity shop like a dollar a long time ago. This is my sexy negligee. But it's feeling very Euro summer. Yeah. It's giving Euro summer. J'adore. <laughs> Wait, I have to ask you a, a question before we continue. So I'm double parked. I have iced tea, homemade iced tea. Yum. Wait, drag. quick question. Homemade iced tea. Do you make it by like boiling a kettle and putting a tea bag in it and then putting it in the fridge and that's it? No, it's so this is a special, I mean, I say I made it, but these are special iced tea tea bags, <laughs> but they're designed to brew in cold water and then you just add ice and they're really refreshing, a refreshing treat. Okay. So I'm going to have to hit Google for the DIY version. To find them. But the thing I wanted to ask you was, because I have this glass of white wine, because I thought white wine is like fresh and summery, and it came out like a very questionable color of yellow. And I was just thinking about how I just still, after years and years and years and years of drinking wine, don't understand like how to pick the right wine, what is a delicious wine, what the wines mean, what to ask for when the person asks you. And I almost think we need to do like interview a sommelier or something to teach us and the girls how to be just reasonable at wine. Honestly, Grace, I have done more wine tastings where you learn about wine than <laughs> than a lot of things because I'm from Hawke's Bay and then also when I worked at oh, – um, yeah. Red Bull back in the good old days and the culture marketing team. We used to bring uh, artists over and take them to Waiheke Island to do a wine tasting like experience. And I have sat, I literally did one in Tuscany like last month. And if you put a gun to my fucking head, I couldn't tell you a <laughs> thing about wine. I was like, going to say all of this information would just floated through one ear and out the other. I don't even you. listen. I'm just sitting there like my brain completely switches off. In Tuscany, there was this hot daddy of a man that was teaching mm. us about it. So I was just like trying to eye fuck him and then <laughs> um, learned nothing. But I, I agree. I would love to know because it's so chic when you do like when we were in Barcelona this gorgeous, ridiculously chic French girl called Alice that we were with, and she knew heaps about wine. And it was just really, I don't know, it's so it's such a cool way to command a table or a, or a good skill to have yes. at a dinner party. She was just kind of picking all the wines. And I pass it around like I can't read English. This is what, so I've now decided my next like frontier of self-development which no one discusses. It's a very old-fashioned thing, but it's the same thing. I'm like, I want to be – I don't care about being hot anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I want to develop character, okay? I'm like, I want to know how to play chess. Mm. I want to know about wine. I want to know, like, <laughs> etiquette, weird etiquette things. I want to know – I want to always be dressed the right way for the right room, and that's, I mean, that's a adjacent thing. to being hot. That's not that different. Yes. It's a, a, a different type of hotness. Like when I think about all those Lauren Bacall and Grace Kelly and all of like the 1950s Hollywood stars, they were pretty, <laughs> but then they also had a bit of like something, something, you know, they had depth. Yeah. This is what I learned. This is what I learned coming out of kind of high school where at high school, all anyone cared about was being popular and hot and cool. And so I complete. Mm -hmm. So in primary school, I was a 
big old nerd. All I did was read. I climbed trees with these girls called Jessica and Joanna Chan. They were my only friends. And we just climbed trees. And I was just like, didn't give a shit about looking good or anything. Went to high school with boys and went fucking crazy and literally dumbed Mm. myself down. Didn't open a book. Didn't do any schoolwork. All I cared about was being cool and popular. Yeah, literally exactly the same. This is terrifying. Yeah, and then got to uni. And it wasn't even, it was like kind of post uni that I realized that being smart and individual and unique and having all of these interests that I sacked off for my entire teenage Mm. life actually made you cool. And I completely agree with you. All of these things are great. I am back to wanting to learn French as my un cheval munch un orange. Un cheval munch. You already know French. (laughs) So I don't know why you're saying that. (laughs) I've already taught you how to speak the language. We need to do that. We need to learn. Let's learn French together. Let's learn. Let's do like self-betterment things and we can we can do the cliff notes for the pod listeners. Well, the pod French. listeners have already learned a lot. They just learned how to say the horse is eating an orange in French. The horse is eating an orange. They've learned nothing about <laughs> wine because we know nothing I've made about a new wine. friend, Raphael, mm-hmm. and she speaks French and I'm going to lock her in a room until she teaches you and I. And then we need to have read like a certain, we need to have read like some of the key. Oh, we're, we're books like we're, Tolstoy. We call, and, it, we call ourselves writers <laughs> and I've read fucking not, none of the classics. Honestly. I'm embarrassed by how little of world literature I have read. Twilight, Harry Potter. The, about the only classic I've touched. Up. My brilliant friend. <laughs> yeah. My brilliant friend as of last week. And what are the classic? Oh, fucking Fifty Shades. That's about it. Um, These are the things that I think we have to do. So Lauren Santo Domingo, I've been obsessed with her since the Ivanka tweet. I mean, I was always like mildly interested in her, but I realized she's quite iconic. And she just has all these interviews where she's so out of touch with reality because her husband's a billionaire, but she just has these like weird rules for living, which I just love. She says she hasn't washed her own hair in like five years. Who washes it? <laughs> like hairdressers. She gets a blow dry like every few days. Oh my God. Wait, the New York times interviewed the guy that does, Anna Wintour's hair. Did mm. you see this? I saw it, but I didn't. He, I wanted to read more, but I think I was otherwise busy. But <laughs> yeah, better things to do. He goes to her apartment every morning at eight a.m. Right? Yeah, and like trims the tiniest bit to get. That is, I mean, it makes sense because the bob is always perfect, but that is so crazy. People live in a different planet. I know. When we were in Greece and we were driving that boat, um, as everyone knows, because I was doing it two seconds before recording the last ep, I was thinking that we're so lucky and we have it so good and, you know, we've got everything we could ever want and why would you want more? And then we drove past a super yacht with a helicopter on it and I was like, what the (laughs) fuck do they do? (laughs) So crazy. It's so wild to think that, yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't even understand what you meant when you said Lauren Santo Dominguez hasn't washed her in hair. I literally thought you meant that she had, like, a maid in her house washing her hair for her because my brain couldn't mm. comprehend that she can go to the hairdresser to do that. 
all the time. Um, wait, I want to get back quickly to wine because I feel the exact same. And I'm also like, I don't know. I do, I do find me, like all the other wannabe East Londoners, got into natural wine and, or- and everyone loves orange mm-hmm. wine. Everyone loves Pet Nat and it's all the trends, like exactly – as I'm drinking a Paloma right now, shout out to Patreon. I mean, Patreon. <laughs> God, shout out, out another to review. Thomas. <laughs> shout Stop out to talking Pat- about your fucking Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Patreon. Actually, she was a Patreon girlie, so fuck it. Uh, who sent us not only tequila, but also grapefruit soda, fever tree. Um, but yeah, like everyone else, I'm I'm down for a trendy beverage. But honestly, I do think the wine uh, knowledge thing is a bit wanky. And they all kind of taste pretty similar. But then I was thinking about how you got flying solo and it was like 50 euros and it was three euros at the shops. Yeah, exactly. Like, you obviously knew as soon as you tasted it that it was gross. But I'm like, I would love to have – maybe you just can't ever have that much of a awareness. I have no idea. I always I always defect at a restaurant and let someone else choose. And I'm like, I Same. think it's very – I know. It's very sexy chic to, to like, kind of say, I feel like a – Yeah. Tragedy. Yeah, be your own woman. <laughs> I mean, we actually did this very well recently because of the flying solo gate. Went to a restaurant where I wasn't paying for the meal – and the sommelier suggested because also I said some, I said I wanted a I think I said I wanted a chilled red or a natural red or something like that and he suggested a Beaujolais. Beaujolais are nice, but when you're not paying for dinner, I drink Beaujolais all the time. So I was like, this just I don't think this is yeah. very expensive. So I'm not trying to be myself tonight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so basically, I quickly googled under the table and figured out that it wasn't that much money, and then just pointed to a really expensive bottle of wine on the menu they brought it over it was delicious and then um someone said the waitress came over and said amazing choice on the wine and i didn't even know what she was talking about Mm. she did the wine name and i was like and then she walked away and i said to my boyfriend what and he was like she was talking about the wine you chose (laughs) (laughs) i know it's so chic to know i just say i want a crisp dry white like every other chuggy girl alive See, I don't know if that's what I like. Or a buttery Chardonnay. You're probably, if, if it's quite. I um, like a buttery Chardonnay. Yeah. yeah. The color you I like just described Chablis. is kind of a buttery Chardonnay color. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first convo of the day hit me. Martha Stewart being an icon. Yeah. So this was sent to us from one of the listeners and it is an iconic piece of audio. Basically Martha Stewart went on Chelsea Handler's podcast, which I didn't know existed, mm-hmm. but I'm into. And Chelsea Handler was just asking her if she's met any men lately. And Martha was, Martha's just so iconic. And she was like, no, I mean, yes, I'm interested in some men, but the problem is they're married and they're married to her friends so it's people that her friends or or like new romances that her friends have introduced her to and she's just like well yeah and it's so relatable because it is that thing of as we've talked about in the past you and your friends get along you have the same interest in things such as your cute little slip dress you're wearing right now 
So of course I want to have sex with mm-hmm. Zach. I know. Are you just waiting for me to die so you can? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then Martha Stewart said, um, basically, yeah, that 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 the obstacles in the way just needed to die, um, which is really really funny. I do wonder, like, what the politics of that is because I feel like it's a well established or well known thing that when people die, the partner of the dead person dates like. If it's a woman, their sister or their best friend. <laughs> I don't know if it's an established, well-known thing about society. It's de- it definitely happens regularly enough for it to be like a, th- a thing. And then people say, oh, well, I'm sure they would have preferred you be with someone they love. And I'm like, no. <laughs> In what fucking world would your <laughs> dead wife want you to fuck their sister yes. or best friend? That's crazy. It's so insane. It's actually so insane. So, yeah, I, I just thought that was really funny because also, like, when you get older, if you're not using dating apps or whatever, how many men are you really being – new men are you really being introduced to? But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting that, you know, memory jog thing that happens uh, every once in a while where I feel as though we might have talked about this on the podcast before, but I know a – woman who's dating her best friend's uh husband and her best friend died like they started dating very soon after her best friend died like suspicious this is like you know this happened with joe biden's son no (laughs) president biden (laughs) he's like just getting more like decrepit by the minute his son (laughs) Bo, died of a brain tumor yeah, and his like chaotic meth adult son Hunter started dating his widow like five minutes after. Yeah. And they were fully dating for a while and then they broke up. But I remember, I remember Joe Biden talked about it in a Vanity Fair profile where he said, well, we're all just so happy because, you know, Bo left a hole that like none of us could replace, but I would so much rather the daughter-in-law's name have moved on with you know, I know Bo would have loved for it to be Hunter over someone else because he's, like, looking after his children and stuff. And I just thought that's so – is that just towing the party line or do you think people genuinely believe that? I don't know. But I did just get a flashback to pashing my dead ex-boyfriend's twin brother. <laughs> visit you at medium fleur is he (laughs) (laughs) she's like i've got someone here saying i know what you did (laughs) oh my god i've got someone here shaking his head saying how could you (laughs) my god i don't know if i've ever spoken about that to anyone before so you're welcome girlies yeah, but exclusive. it was, it literally was, it's like a trauma thing, a grief thing. Yeah, outside of the, I think when you're out, <laughs> when you don't, haven't dealt with the finality of death, it's easy to say, oh no, that would be terrible. But when you've actually experienced the fact that this person is actually genuinely gone, I can see why your perspective on it would really shift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm justifying your actions to you. <laughs> 
Sorry, I'm just finding it so funny because I feel like I knew that had happened in my subconscious, but I'd never given myself room to think about it, <laughs> it just before. Bubbled to the in my entire life. Before your brain could think about it. <laughs> oh my God, Matthew, if you're out there, please give me a text or a call. Was that just your way of like feeling better? I don't know. I, I like don't know. I mean, yes, because I was like not attracted to him at all. But it's just, it's like a, it's like a connection. It's a way to connect with them still. Yeah. Yeah. By yeah, fucking them sense. off in the afterlife. I mean, it depends. Yeah. It depends what you believe. I mean, I've, I find it really hard to believe that Martha Stewart can't get a boyfriend. She keeps trying on with Pete Davidson. Maybe she doesn't want to date younger guys. Yeah. Speaking of, sorry, I know this is old news, but I do think there's a lot of girlies who feel the same. I can't still get my head around Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian. <laughs> like every time they post a photo, I'm like, that's right. This is really happening. I, cause I, because I convinced myself it was a PR stunt for the ho- whole entirety of their relationship that every time they post, I get like a shock. He got another tattoo for her. That's five. I think what, yeah, I think what I love about their relationships, I'm reading this book, which is called In Praise of Older Women. Just randomly. It's one of my like weird, which I don't discuss very often because I know that the audience is extremely limited for this content. (laughs) One of my like weird secondhand bookshop finds that it's this book about this guy who's basically just obsessed with older women has always been in love and infatuated with older women and this book is his kind of eight love affairs from the age of 18 to the age of 60 with older women and he's just talking about how in european cultures which is where we're slowly moving towards it was always considered older women were always considered very sexy and aspirational and because there was this idea that you wanted to be closer to people that had more life experience and sexual experience and could teach you something and that young, young women, younger girls were not as like exciting because the idea was that they wouldn't be experienced. And I think it's so funny that our culture has like the opposite thing where we have this obsession with youth. Whereas someone like Kim Kardashian, I feel like with the Pete Davidson thing, is just saying, I am the most desirable woman in the world. I'm 40. I've got four children. I don't give a fuck. And I'm still like he could go out with anyone and he's going out with me, which I feel like is quite, you know, like it's quite cool. Yeah, I I love that so much because that is that was the narrative around it. And that is the narrative around it. It's like he was dating Phoebe. Oh, my God, I can't speak after this one hefty paloma Paloma. he was dating phoebe denver uh kaya gerber yeah like margaret qualley yeah so they're all so young and then when he got with kim kardashian the whole world was like wow she was the most eligible bachelor in the world yeah i love that i also love like with i mean harry styles and olivia wilde she's got two kids he could date anyone in the world it's iconic these men are changing history for the better as I hit my 31st year. A hundred percent. I think it's like, maybe it's just a thing as you get older, the people that you're interested in and inspired by changes. But I just feel like most of the women who I feel like are the most interesting women in the world right now are not 21. They're between 30, 
40 and 50, or in Martha's case, 60. <laughs> I don't know how old she is. Something. But yeah, I don't even think that was ever a question. I just think it says a lot about the men, says a lot more about the men and how they feel about themselves than anything else. It's not like yes. you would rather be in a room. I would, I don't think any, <laughs> my God. Why am I going to say so many hot takes today? I was going to say, I don't think any men would rather date my 20-year-old sister than 30-year-old me. <laughs> in regards to, converse, in regards to like, conversation where you are at in the world, I find it so insane when so many men date younger women because I'm just like, yes, you can be very smart and put together or whatever, but also it's just so, it's just quite random. Sugar daddies are like still such a massive thing. It's quite crazy. It's like I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how Leonardo DiCaprio dating, like constantly dating younger women isn't predatory. It's just tragic. Like yes. it's just, he's just a loser. Like yes. they're like people trying to frame it as this like sinister thing. You should just frame it as it's it's kind of embarrassing to be 50 years old and not be able to hold down a relationship with a woman of a similar age bracket to you. Like that just says a lot about your character that you don't, you know, it's not to say that a woman in their 20s can't be like intelligent and creative or whatever, but he the fact that you constantly go after people that have less power than you, are less developed in their career, probably have less to think or say because they're 20. It just makes you a loser yes. instead of like <laughs> and people who are obviously predator. gonna like fan over you yes like that's just it just is a sad reflection on you as a person and it can just be that it doesn't have to be anything like deeper yeah date martha stewart leo you fucking coward <laughs> yes. only way you can get back in our good books literally Culture is internet culture. That's why we stay up to date with Dirt, the newsletter read by digital tastemakers. It's the only publication brave enough to ask important questions like, is tennis funny? And how much was Harry Styles actually influenced by Japanese city pop? And most recently, about our parasocial relationship with influencer couples, which we were absolutely obsessed by and spoke about on our Patreon. Dirt hits our inbox almost daily, and the best part is it's free. Go to dirt.fyi to learn more. Kind of interesting point. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. That we were maybe going to mention, maybe not, but we can mention it in passing. It seems as though Bradley Cooper has entered his George Clooney era. Mm. So yes, he, he is dating Huma Abedin. Yeah, Abedin. And I actually didn't know really anything about who she is, but she's worked in politics. She worked for Hillary Clinton, and apparently Anna Wintour set them up because her and Bradley Cooper are. And I'm putting this in quotations, BFFs. Anna's got like a weird collection of Anna, our friend Anna, my friend Anna, has like a weird collection of friends, it seems like. It's like how she's really good friends with James Corden, apparently. That makes zero sense. Like, no, I don't know how she's, it's like she's spinning around and being like, (laughs) Bradley Cooper, James Corden. BFFs with Bradley Cooper, that's so insane. And yeah, she set these two up and apparently they have been... (laughs) Secretly dating, and they went to the Met Gala together, but they just walked the red carpet Aww. separately, and it just seems as though he's finally in his George Clooney era of dating a very kind of smart... Yeah. yeah. I do feel like, I don't know, maybe I've had like one too many glasses of buttery Chardonnay, but it's like, I do feel like, I don't know, it says something that <laughs> what used to be the I thought you were going to say Brad I do Pitt. feel like Bradley Cooper's gay <laughs> but you just carried on talking <laughs> I was like she's going to do it I don't know about that that's a prevailing rumour but I don't I mean yeah I people say that about literally everyone Yeah, people are like John Legend's gay I'm like he would just be gay like I just don't yeah that would suit his personality yeah, but Bradley Cooper, I do think it's because he does seem like someone that cares a lot about his self-perception. I feel like it says a lot that at one time he was like the supermodel dating whatever, and now the cooler thing is to be with a woman of substance. Yeah, Not that Irina Shakespeare's not of substance, but you know humor's like a <laughs> – she's like a, a male. Like she speaks a bazillion languages and like has traveled the world with Hillary Yes, Clinton but if she and, walks like, back and forth – oh, I thought you were talking about – arena still <laughs> then he said Hillary oh, Clinton. No. but I was like if she walks back and forth with her fucking daughter's stroller wearing a clueless outfit one more time I swear to god she's Jada like she's just she's Jada super Jada and that's all that can be said <laughs> yeah wow this whole episode is like nicely tied together in a little bow about substance about how yeah yes it's Now you'll get a sexy Hollywood boyfriend if you're smart. (laughs) End of story. (laughs) Okay, on to Florence Pugh, who has been kind of all over the media this week because she attended Valentino's show uh, in Paris and she wore a pink, which is – just undoubtedly the fucking color of the season. Uh, mm. Long sheer pink dress with her gorgeous, very perky tits out. 
and just mm. caused a, a complete stir online, mostly from fucking men who I don't know. It's funny because when I saw this story, I just kind of was like, yeah. As in, I, I read it and didn't think it was interesting at all because I thought, of course, that's going to happen. But then when you actually interrogate, mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Why is this happening? Then it does become interesting. I was kind of like, okay, she wore a dress. She had her tits out. There's going to be freaks on the internet that are going to have something to say about it. But then her responding mm-hmm. and just saying, like, fuck off. I cannot believe that this many men are going to say this many vulgar comments about breasts and with your with your names and your jobs and everything in your bio, like actually making it and just being like, that is so insane that you're commenting on a woman's body like that. And I was kind of like, it is really, really insane. And it's become so normalized that I was just like, not even thinking of it as a story because I just thought, of course, that's going to happen. I felt the same way when I first saw the headline and her Instagram post, my cynical side kind of kicked in where I thought, which I do feel like happens a lot with celebrities now where she wore the dress, as she said in her own Instagram comment, she was aware that it was going to cause like a little bit of controversy. It's kind of a risque thing to do. It's not super on brand for her, I guess, to wear things that she had. She looked fantastic and amazing. And when I looked at her Instagram, as far as I could see, the comments all said, yes, queen, slay, hot as fuck. You look amazing. Clapping. Like I didn't see any negativity. And I kind of do feel as if there is this thing that celebrities are doing now, which I do feel like sometimes is almost an easy win where they'll pull out the small handful of weirdos that say something negative, act as if that's the like predominant response, do a clap back to it, get even more positive publicity. And it's just like an easy little news story. But as you said, as I read more about it and kind of saw the degree to which she was criticized and like, the things that were being said that weren't just cover up, but were discussing, I don't know, I feel gross even repeating it, but things about like how she's too flat chested to wear something like that or acting as if she couldn't be a serious actress and wear a dress like that. I kind of realized the more I read about it, that that this still is such a massive thing that Mm -hmm. we really can't make sense of someone like owns their sexuality and is also a quote unquote, like high art performer. I think What's kind of crazy about the internet is just how everyone has a voice. And so so it is just full of crazy people. So as you say, it's like very, very easy to go on absolutely any celebrities or anyone that has a lot of comments and find really, really insane stuff being said because there's so many weirdos out there. But yeah, it, it's it's just like when you stop and think that these that there's actual real people behind it as we've talked about in the past writing this comment to a person saying you're too flat chested to wear that dress it's like where the fuck do you get off saying that and Mm. how do we just let that slide all the time and I really love that she stood up for herself I was actually thinking you would be I was thinking you would kind of say similar how you said you know it's it's easy for celebrities to pull out comments and get more press because a lot of people I saw in, I was like in the cut comments for some reason and people were being really misogynist in there even. And then they were saying, Mm. oh, you know, like she's wearing that dress because her, which I do not think is true. And I don't think you will think is true either because she doesn't need to wear a dress. She's like one of the most in-demand actresses 
right now, but they were saying it's to get hype for her new movies and to keep her name in the press. And I don't know, we live in Christian as well, so maybe that's true. But, like, regardless, it's so crazy that women's bodies are still being policed in this in this way. And there was a really good piece on The Independent that you put in our doc about it, just saying that what women wear is still such a huge talking point in so many different arenas. And they signaled out um, Camille Charrier, who I actually didn't realize got a whole heap of backlash for wearing that see-through lace gown by Harris Reed as her wedding dress. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I thought that was really interesting as well. The phrases like respectability politics, which I think is often used in regards to like people of color being expected to discuss how they feel about racism in very specific ways, but it also extends to like if women want to be taken seriously, they need to dress and behave in a certain way. And Camille Sharia wore this see-through gown to her as one of her wedding dresses and was basically just inundated with all these like misogynistic comments about, yeah, I, again, don't really like saying the words, but, you know, calling her like a hooker and saying that she's, you know, going to look back on this and show it to her children and be ashamed and just all of this really fucked up anti-sex, body shamey, fucked up stuff. And I do think that it's really smart of this writer to pull those things together because it is this thing where like people there is just still this thing around women where people want women to be quote unquote sexy and dress a certain way that's sexy but if they lean too far into acknowledging that they're sexy and doing it in a way that they're clearly owning and they like for themselves people panic and freak out and try to shut them down and (laughs) Mm. annihilate them And I think the thing that was very interesting with the Florence Pugh thing, to me at least, was that in her response, she talked a lot about, I think she said, why are you so scared of breasts? Small, large, left, right, only one, maybe none. What is so terrifying? And it sounds kind of funny, but there is also still a lot of shame about women's like, are your boobs too small? Are they too big? Are your nipples like the right size? Are they missized? Do they look weird? Do they butt like all these hangups that we still have about our bodies and nudity? come out in these conversations and I think because so many men hate women and women hate themselves you see like that whole thing come to a crescendo or whatever in like the comment section when shit like this happens with the Camille Sharia thing as well yeah horrible she wrote uh so in this independent piece the journalist interviewed her And she said that she actually wore a sheer dress to Fashion Week last week, um, but didn't post anything about it on Instagram because her nipples were visible. And she was like, I'm just too tired this week to deal with it, which Mm. is quite crazy. Um, And then she also wrote at the time of her wedding about the criticism of her wedding dress saying, you know, that she grew up in France and one of the main reasons that she actually left the country Um, She said, without sounding dramatic, it's one of the reasons I moved to London in the first place. I couldn't stand the way people from every sex, old and young, strangers and friends, quite literally pointed the finger at women who wore anything, quote unquote, inappropriate. It involves a gross combo of classism, it's not chic, and gender discrimination, she asked for it. 
The women before us fought hard for our sexual liberation in the 60s and 70s. So why is it that my short skirt still makes you feel uneasy? Which is very, very spot on. I think there's like a added element to this, which I think was touched on in the independent piece as well, about how... um, like I don't think it's a coincidence we're talking about like Camille Sharia and Florence Pugh who are both young, thin, white, like hit a lot of old-fashioned beauty, whatever, talking points. I think this would be a very different conversation, for example, if it was like Helen Mirren or like Judy Dench or someone who wore a completely sheer like nipple-bearing dress. And I think that there has to be said a lot for like – if you're fat or if you're in your 60s or even if you're, like, a person of color, like, we just don't even get to have these, like, conversations about people who exist outside, like, the beauty norm. Yeah, I I put it in our doc that, you know how Instagram has that no nipple policy? Mm. This model and activist, Naomi Nicholas-Williams, put a photo of herself. You've probably seen it on Instagram. And she's topless with her arms crossed, but she's completely covering her breasts. So there was no nipples being shown. But despite that, like the image was taken down by Instagram and she kept reposting it and it kept getting taken down and taken down. And she was just like, as a plus size black woman, this is crazy that there's so many photos of slim white women doing the exact same pose that was permitted on the platform. And then her and I think Gina Mm. Martin, who we've had on the pod yonks ago uh actually ended up getting instagram to change its policies like they went to the higher ups but yeah it's it's fucked up isn't it i actually put on our instagram britney spears like from Mm. when she was way back when she was really 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 young and literally every journalist was telling her she was responsible for all of her young fans and that wearing sexy things was wrong and you know think about the kind of role model you're being and honestly from when she was a teenager she just kept saying like I'm just not responsible for anyone if parents don't want their kids to see that and like change the channel and it was just so iconic because back then it just was back in the 90s not even that long ago it was so normal to to question that not even in Instagram comments but in actual like (laughs) respectable journalism interviews Mm. It's a really hard one. Like the nudity thing, it's just something that like everyone has just not come, as a society, we just haven't like come to terms with in any way. We like don't know how to deal with naked women that aren't there to like literally please men. We're just fucking confused by them. Yeah. Like we just have like, no idea what to do with, with tits. them. Like they're just freaks. Yeah, it's like they're like babies and they like resort to some sort of weird childlike state. It's just crazy. I find it so threatening. Yeah. So Florence Pugh's outfit titgate moment and tits will be discussed in depth on Patreon when I talk Grace through the very intense and dramatic and downright gorgeous moments that have happened in Love Island recently. Um, but, (laughs) but yeah, this happened on the last day of Couture Fashion Week and there has been so much going on. I feel like this has been a very, kind of the first massive Couture Fashion Week since the pandemic. I just think like every single day there has been 
so much happening. The shows have been crazy. They've been really going for it. Um, I feel like everyone's forgotten about climate change. Jack must like shipping fucking yes. 10 billion <laughs> pa- pounds of fucking salt to some rocks, etc. But um, one of the main, uh, I don't know, talking points about it that we found quite interesting was kind of who wasn't at Fashion Week this season and a massive kind of hole in the front row um, filled by Bella Hadid's boyfriend, Mark Kalman, were the Russian <laughs> it girls of Fashion Week. And the New York Times just did a big piece titled When the Serenas Ruled the Front Row. Yes, yeah, so I was very interested in this story because basically after – as soon as the Russia-Ukrainian war happened, I was, like, very curious about what would happen to this group of, you know, women who were very in the fold of fashion and Instagram influencers who were also married to Russian billionaires because it's <laughs> – they can't, like, post a Ukrainian flag on their Instagram and start being activists about it. It's, like, super complicated. And what kind of happened with the key ones is that they all have gone – dark on Instagram and not posted since a few months ago when the war on U- in Ukraine happened. And this was kind of the first big fashion week since then. And all of them are noticeably absent, which I think is not unexpected, but it, this piece was really interesting showing how this group of women that we took for granted as being like front row regulars um, actually represented something kind of darker about how Russia has like Russia kind of implanted itself in systems like fashion to in some ways get out of accountability and now it's obviously just become too like difficult to not be held accountable but you've had for the last 10 years some of the key people in fashion have been these like oligarchs wives (laughs) who have essentially been very good friends of Vladimir Putin who have also been like mixing in these like super chic fashion week circles. Yeah. And they were like fascinating. They were kind of seen (laughs) as, yeah, they were either married to or the children of these Russian oligarchs. And they were seen by a lot of the big fashion brands as kind of being like a way into the Russian market, which was booming Mm. and desperate for like luxury goods. So kind of by dressing those influences, it just yeah yeah they were becoming like slowly becoming pro-Russia and it was almost like these brands were always aware that it was like slightly morally confusing or like questionable but because if you slap some clothes on a really hot young well-dressed thin model looking person that has a million Instagram followers and speaks perfect English and is like friends with Derek Blasberg (laughs) And, like, get selfies with the Hadids and stuff, then you it suddenly doesn't feel like such a big deal anymore. So the key ones were Miroslava Juma, Alina Permanova, who is, like, the most I- iconic, and Ulyana Serginko were the kind of three major ones. And then there's also Dasha Zukova, who was married to Roman Abramovich, who owned – she was, like, the first – oligarch's wife turned socialite and she is 
now married to Stavros Niarchos, who's Camille Rose, hot Greek billionaire's brother. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're all very, it's like very, very interconnected. It's like quite insane. And Elena Permanova in particular is quite incredible slash fucked. So Elena Permanova is married to Alexander Lebedev. And you have to Google pictures of them because it's crazy. But he's a former KGB agent, banker, and media mogul. And they met after she was arrested for drug dealing when she was 16 and he was 44 and a really important politician. And her father called a favor through a friend of a friend to get him to help her out of jail. And she was 16 and he was 44. And then he helped her out of jail and now they're married and she's like came from this super poor village in Russia and is now this like bazillionaire model slash influencer trophy wife at like all of the fashion week shows. And that's how they met. But he's like oh my a, God, very, a pretty very woman close. story. I know pretty woman, but it's like 16 and 44 is so naughty. It's so fucked up. And then Miroslava Juma and Ulyana Serginko were cancelled, I don't know if you remember this, in 2018 because one of them sent to the other one a bunch of flowers at the start of Paris Fashion Week saying, with my N-word in Paris, like the song, and she posted it on Instagram. Stop. But it wasn't. Yeah, do you remember this? It was crazy. I vaguely remember, but I didn't know who they were. Yes, so then they posted that and got in all this trouble and had to apologize. And then this video came out of Miroslava Juma, who was like one of the biggest influencers in the whole industry. She owned all these companies. And then when I was reading about this, she owns Pangea, that like tracksuit, those tracksuits everyone started wearing in lockdown. Oh, wow. Which is so crazy. Yeah, she's like a sneaky little Russian Bazillionaire? Snake. Not a snake, but just <laughs> it's anti-Russian, but just a sneaky little fashion weasel who's like in everywhere. And she it came out that she'd done this talk in Russian that was filmed on like an iPhone that was super anti, like super homophobic. Because in Russia it's like they're so homophobic. It's like homosexuality is basically illegal. That's so crazy that that's the still thing. a thing. I know that's like such a stale take, but I can't actually believe that's still such a massive thing and like somewhere so, I don't know. I mean, I know it's not super this Western. This is so but... crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so then Brian Boy was calling her out being like, let's cancel Miroslava. But it is this thing where you had all of these, yeah, super wealthy oligarchs' wives who were landing in the middle of the Paris fashion world, which is – you know, by all intents and purposes, very progressive and were kind of – it was like should have been oil and water, but they were mixing together so long as, like, politics and things about world issues and Russia's actual intentions never came up. And now because they have, it's just like all these women have basically been pulled back into Russia, can't travel for the shows, Russia's – like, all these luxury brands have cut off all contact, Vogue Russia's shut down, and now – They've all just gone totally invisible. Jaya, what are they going to do? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Just keep being bilious. Justice for the, <laughs> the Russian <laughs> it girls. Um, what about no, the yeah, that's careers? crazy. I mean, I didn't follow them very closely at all. I barely know who 
most of these girls are, but it is quite crazy. And especially, as you say, the like link between them being at the front row and mingling with all of these kind of normie fashion people while at the same time being from a country that, you know, homosexuality is like illegal and believing in all of these things. It's just so funny how people can be, I don't know, just mingle in that way. and But it just says so much more on like this really deep, dark level about where we're at as society yeah. and how much money buys you. And fashion just, I think the thing is that fashion is just one example. Hollywood's the same. Like these people just don't care until they have to. Like people don't, I don't know if you remember Ricky Gervais did that Golden Globes monologue that everyone was sharing because he was like going after everyone. But he said something like, you know, if ISIS had a – he basically said like all these Hollywood people get up and make speeches about like social justice issues and they all work with like Apple TV and like just all these companies, Amazon, like all these companies that are known to be so morally like bankrupt yeah. – but you just don't give a fuck until you're forced to. And with fashion, it's like all these people that are great friends with oligarchs' wives and oligarchs' daughters, they would be aware of what they actually believe and think about the world or that they're on side with Putin or whatever, but they don't give a shit until they have to because there's like an actual war and it makes them look bad on Instagram. Like there is just a thing of, I don't know, people don't have that strong morals. They just care about their own like public perception yeah a lot of people anyway yeah i mean especially yeah people in these industries but interesting very interesting okay girlies we're gonna love you and leave you but as mentioned uh on the patreon app which is coming out tomorrow we are going to be talking i'm going to be talking a lot about this season of love (laughs) island and then we're going to be doing a deep dive into Love Island as a whole, what makes the what makes the show so popular, um, and reality TV kind of the good and the bad points of it. Um, so yeah, link in the bio. Tune in. <laughs> Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.